going to be in Revelation chapter 18. Before we begin, why don't we take a minute and uh, pray and just ask God to open his word to us. Heavenly Father, we ask you as we look at this chapter that you give us understanding. Uh, again, we want to learn whatever lessons you have for us from, from your word, O oh Lord. We know that there's a blessing associated with those who listen and apply, especially the book of Revelation, to their lives. So we ask you to give us the grace to do that today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Almost every time I read the book of Revelation, I notice some things that I never saw before, and that's the case tonight. Uh, this past week, uh, as I was reading chapters 17 and 18, I realized something or saw something I'd never seen before, and that is that these two chapters fit nicely within what I'd call the brackets of Revelation 16, 17 to 21. Revelation 16, 17 to 21, there are five verses there that talk about the fact that the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the world. This is what's called the final bowl judgment, and it's gonna be poured out upon specifically Babylon. And those five verses, I think, are, are expanded in chapters 17 and 18. And so, so these two chapters, 17 and 18, are tucked into chapter 16, verses 17 to 21. Now let me give you again my definition of Babylon. Babylon refers to the false satanic systems of the world that lure people away from the true God. It's a religious system, but it's also the economic and governmental system that controls people. Now again, in Revelation chapter 17, we read about the destruction of spiritual Babylon. God is gonna put it within the hearts of the Antichrist and the other leaders of this 10-nation confederacy to turn against the false prophet and all, really all the religions of the world. And in this sense, they're gonna destroy all these false religions. Now, I think their goal is to make the Antichrist the only God, of course, but this is the beginning of the judgment of God against all the religious systems of the world. He's gonna actually use the Antichrist to destroy these false systems, all the other false systems. In Revelation 18, we read about the destruction of the economic Babylon. And so it's really 17 and 18, I think, are describing a similar event, only the focus is in a different place. Now, before we get into 18, I'd like to read chapters chapter 16, verses 17 to 21, because I, again, I mentioned that 17 and 18 are tucked into these verses. So let me read this, beginning in verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the sanctuary from the throne saying, it's done. There were flashes of lightning and rumblings of thunder, and a severe earthquake occurred like no other since man has been on the earth so great was the quake. And by the way, I think this is going to be a worldwide earthquake, as we'll see in a minute in chapter 18. Goes on to say in 19, the great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered in God's presence. He gave her the cup filled with the wine of his fierce anger. Every island fled and the mountains disappeared. Enormous hailstones, each weighing about 100 pounds, fell from the sky on people and they blasphemed God for the plague of hail 
because the plague was extremely severe. So this is again God's wrath against Babylon the Great. We're at the end of chapter 16. Then in 17, it fleshes out what that looks like in terms of spiritual Babylon, the destruction of all these false systems that are in opposition to God. And then chapter 18 is dealing with economic Babylon. Now, what's interesting to me is that it talks about this great earthquake that's so severe, and then it says all the cities of the nations fell. This is why I feel like this is gonna be a worldwide earthquake event. And it's gonna destroy the financial systems of the world. All the centers of the world, I think, are gonna experience this earthquake. Now, you think about it for a moment. What would happen in New York City if the financial district, district experienced a, an earthquake that just all the towers, all of the high rises, everything, if they all fell down and destroyed in one day the financial system in New York City? Think of this happening then in other cities like Chicago or Los Angeles. Think of it happening in cities around the world like London and Beijing and Moscow. This one event is just gonna put the brakes on the entire economic world, which of course you remember has become one economy now where everyone is being controlled by this one economy. And this is what I think God is judging here. Now again, the reason I feel it's an earth, uh, a worldwide earthquake is because it said that all the great cities of the nations fell. Now with this in mind, let's begin reading in Revelation 18 and verse one. After this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. Now some have suggested that this is Jesus Christ, but I don't believe it is. In fact, I'm confident that it's not. Jesus is gonna appear in the next chapter, in chapter 19, riding as a victorious warrior. And in, in that chapter, by the way, I think Christians are present. I think we're gonna be with Christ when he comes. And so this is just an amazing angel, but you realize that this angel has such glory that the world sees his glory. Let's continue reading in verse two. He cried out in a mighty voice, this angel, it has fallen, Babylon the great has fallen. She has become a dwelling for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her excessive luxury. Now, I want to remind you that in chapter 17, we read about this idea of the nations committing sexual immorality with this Babylon, you know, that's depicted as a prostitute. And I made the point that this is a reference to spiritual adultery that's going to take place in the last days. We're commanded in, in both the Old and New Testaments to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. That's where our love is supposed to go. But the purpose of this entire end times system is to turn everyone away from the true and living God. And so in this sense, it is, it's considered adultery. Or as it's put here in chapter 18, one through three, as immorality, that they committed sexual immorality. Again, I don't think it's literal sexual immorality, although without a doubt, the kingdom of the last days will have a lot of that as well. Now, the context of Revelation chapter 18, 
I think mostly focuses on the actual city of Babylon, which might be in Babylon, it might be in another place, but it's, I think it's referring primarily to this major city from which the Antichrist is going to operate, and this major city is gonna impact all the cities of the world. And so what Dr. Walvert says about this, what's pictured here is a large prosperous city, the center of political and economic life. Now the angel is making this proclamation that Babylon has fallen. This particular phrase appears many times in the Old Testament. And in many of the references in the Old Testament, I think they're intended to be prophecies. Now you might remember about Babylon in the Old Testament. The Babylon was responsible for attacking Israel. They attacked on three occasions. They destroyed the city. They destroyed the temple. They exiled people away from Israel so that hardly anyone was even left and the nation was gone. And this has been described as the times of the Gentiles. And so this Babylonian attack has been called the times of the Gentiles. But as we're gonna see in a little bit, the future Babylon is gonna represent the conclusion of this times of the Gentiles. And what's interesting is that things that happened in the past are gonna happen again in the future. In other words, we use the expression that history repeats itself. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 21 and verse nine, Isaiah made this prophecy concerning Babylon, how God was gonna give Babylon uh, what they deserved because of the way they treated Israel. And in Isaiah 21, 9, we read, look, riders come, horsemen in pairs, and he answered saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. All the images of her gods have been shattered on the ground. This is exactly, again, what's gonna happen in the future. The destruction of Babylon in the last days is gonna be so so complete, so severe that it's gonna become like a ghost town. And fitting to its ungodliness, it's gonna be a place that's occupied by unclean animals of every kind. And I think this is a reference to snakes and lizards and scorpions and vultures. And it's really fitting because this, this was such an ungodly, unclean uh, group and now they're, they're gonna experience this symbolically with all these unclean animals in this land that's gonna become a ghost town. And again, this was not the first time that this happened to Babylon. In the Old Testament, after Israel, or around the time of Israel being allowed to come home, Babylon was again attacked and a similar thing happened. The judgment of Babylon in the future, just like in the past, allowed for a rebirth of Israel. So in the past, what happened is God attacked Israel, or Babylon, and in so doing, it paved the way for the Israelites to come back to Israel and to, to rebuild the wall and the temple and all those things. And so it required the destruction of Babylon for this rebirth to take place. That's again what is going to happen in the future just before Christ comes to reign. Now listen to this prophecy that was made in Jeremiah related to Babylon's demise in the past. In Jeremiah 51, 37, we read Babylon will become a heap of rubble. This was a prophecy when he said it. Babylon will become a heap of rubble, a jackal's den, a desolation, and an object of scorn without inhabitant. 
And once again, you see this description is very similar to the Revelation description of this this, uh, unoccupied place, this desert place that's completely destroyed. Now, I've said this before, and I want to say it again, that so many of the biblical stories of the Old Testament are historic, but I think they're also prophetic. And so they're speaking of events that actually took place in the past, but they're also a picture of what's going to happen in the future. Now, in Revelation 18, we read that all these unclean animals, desert creatures, are going to be in this desolate place that's going to be so destroyed that it'll be without inhabitant and and, and it'll be just occupied by these kinds of animals and things. But there's another group that's going to occupy it in Revelation chapter 18, and that is displaced demons. It seems like we know that Satan and his demons were so involved with this Babylonian kingdom But now that it's been destroyed, in a sense, they're going to be displaced. And so we get this sense that they're also going to be roaming in this desolate place after God destroys Babylon. And again, we're talking about financial Babylon primarily. Now let's keep reading in verse 4 of Revelation 18. Then I heard another voice from heaven come out of her, my people so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back the way she also paid, double it according to her works. In the cup in which she mixed, mixed a double portion for her. As much as she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, give her that much torment and grief. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen. I'm not a widow, and I will never see grief. For this reason, her plagues will come in one day, death and grief and famine. She will be burned up with fire because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. Now, verse four begins with this exhortation. It says, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or her plagues. Now, I can think of examples in the Old Testament where God gave a similar appeal Probably the one that's most familiar to us is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. How God had decided that he was going to completely destroy the city, and again, it was going to be with fire, just like what's going to happen here in the book of Revelation. She will be burned up with fire. And so this, was going to, this happened in the Old Testament. But before it happened, God told Lot and his wife and their daughters and their daughter's husbands, get out of her. Leave, leave this area here because God's about to judge it. And Lot and his wife and their family hesitated. Uh, Lot's son-in-laws thought he was even joking, and so they stayed behind. They didn't believe judgment was coming. And Lot fled. In fact, the angel, we read the angels grabbed Lot and his wife and the, and the daughters and, and dragged him out of the city because he did not, or God did not want them to be swept up in the judgment that was about to take place. Well, in the future, we're given a similar warning. It says, get out of her, my people, so that you won't share in her judgment. What's it referring to? Who are the people here? Well, it could be Israelites, and it could be Christians who may be around during this time. Now, why they would be right there, I don't know. But um, I think it's people who love God, and this exhortation perhaps is even a reference to what they should do before all of this happens. In other words, this might be just a way of saying judgment is coming and you know it's coming, so get out of her long before it happens. 
We know, of course, that this system, this financial system is gonna require everyone to get a mark on the hand or forehead in order to buy or sell. And getting that mark is gonna represent that you're fully identifying with this Babylon, this 10-nation confederacy. You're aligning yourself with the Antichrist. And the warning we read earlier is don't get the mark because if you do, you'll end up actually in hell. There's no way for you to be redeemed at that point. And so I view this as an exhortation for the people of the last days that when they see these things happening, really all the things we've read about so far, that they not align themselves with Babylon because if they do, they'll be swept up in her judgment. Now listen to what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 51, six through nine. And again, you'll see similarities with these verses and the ones we're gonna read in Revelation 18. And it again demonstrates this idea that a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament have double fulfillments. Jeremiah 51, beginning in verse six, we read, leave Babylon, save your lives, each of you. Doesn't that sound familiar? Don't perish because of her guilt. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will pay her what she deserves. Babylon was a gold cup in the Lord's hand, making the whole earth drunk. The nations drank her wine. Therefore, the nations go mad or crazy. Suddenly, Babylon fell and was shattered. Wail for her. Get balm for her wound. Perhaps she can be healed. We tried to heal Babylon, but she could not be healed. Abandon her. Let each of you go to his own land, for her judgment extends to the sky and reaches as far as the clouds. Now, I think that Jeremiah was describing events that were going to take place in his day after he died, but shortly after. You know, Babylon attacked Israel, and for 70 years, they had the exiles of Israel in Babylon with them. Jeremiah and Isaiah, they said, get out of Babylon at the end of that 70-year period. They prophesied that Babylon was going to be attacked, that it would be destroyed, and there was an appeal made to the Jewish people who lived in Babylon in those days to come back to Israel, to reestablish Israel as a nation, lest they somehow become part of the judgment that was going to take place against Babylon in the Old Testament. I think the same thing is going to happen in the future. Come out of her, John writes, my people, so you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. And I think it's a general exhortation for all of us today because, you know, John wrote, do not love the world, do not love the things of the world, because if we do, the love of the Father is not in us. And the world there is not a reference to the planet, it's a reference to the systems of this world that lure people away from God, the financial systems, the morals of this world, the ideas and philosophies of this world. And Christians are told, don't align yourself with the world, lest again, I think you share in her judgment. Now, we live in a world right now that I think does focus on wealth and finances and stuff and the love of money. And so I think we do need to take this warning seriously because one day all of it will be destroyed. Now, Daniel prophesied this in the Old Testament. He prophesied about the destruction of this last kingdom. In Daniel 2 and verse 44, we read, in those days, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Of course, that's Jesus's kingdom. And this kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure 
forever. Later in chapter 7 and verse 26, we read, but the court will convene and his dominion, namely the, the Babylonian kingdom of the Antichrist, will be taken away to be completely destroyed forever. And once again, there's a wiping out of this Babylonian kingdom in order to set up the kingdom of Christ, the rebirth again of the nation of Israel. Now, these things are uh, being set up for Christ's return again to reign. And let's continue reading, uh, beginning in verse 9, then, of Revelation 18. We read, The kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived luxuriously with her will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke of her burning. Again, the sexual immorality I don't think is literal. I think it's a reference to people that got so wrapped up into this last world kingdom and fell in line with the Antichrist in their their adultery against the true and living God. Continuing, it says, they will stand far off in fear of her torment, saying, woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in a single hour your judgment has come. This is why I said, by the way, earlier that I think Revelation 18 is mostly focusing on the literal city of Babylon as the headquarters of the Antichrist, but it applies to the whole world. This is gonna lead to the economic collapse of the entire system. We keep reading in verse 11, it says, the merchants of the earth will also weep and mourn over her because no one buys their merchandise any longer. Merchandise of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine fabrics of linen, purple, silk, and scarlet, all kinds of fragrant wood products, objects of ivory, objects of expensive wood, brass, iron and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh and frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine wheat, flour and grain, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages and slaves and human Lives. You see that this is a judgment against all the commerce of the world and all the idolatrous commerce that took people's hearts away from the true and living God. It is interesting here, by the way, that this indicates that part of this commerce of the last days is going to include human trafficking. But all the commerce is gonna stop instantly when God judges it. All of the financial systems are gonna collapse. And this is gonna lead to mourning on the part of, I think, the whole world. This is God's judgment against this entire system. Let's keep reading, beginning in verse 14. The fruit you craved has left you. All your splendor and glamorous things are gone. They will never find them again. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand far off in fear of her torment and weeping and mourning, saying, woe, woe, the great city dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones and pearls, for in a single hour, such fabulous wealth was destroyed. And every shipmaster, seafarer, the sailors, and all who do business by sea stood far off as they watched the smoke from her burning and kept crying out, who's like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and kept crying out, weeping and mourning, woe, woe, the great city, where all those who have ships on the sea became rich from her wealth, for in a single hour she was destroyed. Now what we're reading about here happened again before. It happened in the Old Testament to a city called Tyre, they experience almost the exact same thing. I'm not gonna take the time to look at it, but it's found in Ezekiel chapter 27. 
And what's interesting about the, the description of the destruction of Tyre in the Old Testament, this old Phoenician port city and center of trade, is that in Ezekiel chapter 27, it, it lists also all the products. It describes the wealth of this city and, and this incredible city. There had never been a city quite like Tyre. And I think in, in this last Babylonian kingdom, there's gonna be so much luxury there and wealth and opulence and things like that. And so as you read in Ezekiel, you read about its destruction and the same thing happened. You read about a listing of all of these things that they traded in and all of that's gonna stop in a moment or did stop in a moment. And then you also read in Ezekiel 27 how the people mourned when it happened. And this is going to happen, I think, as the whole world sees this crumbling down of the economic systems of the world. You imagine for a moment what it would be like if you realize that just the heart of the entire financial kingdom was, was gone. You know, you think about it, for example, uh, we've had a depression in our country here. But what if we all recognized because of what happened in our own cities, which again, because of the earthquake, I think there's gonna be this mass destruction, a, a judgment of God against the financial institutions of the world. Everyone's gonna see it's over. All the things that they loved, all the things that they gave themselves to. And a reason, by the way, a lot of this is gonna happen is because I think the economies of the world are connected. We see that to this day. Something happens in the United States, it impacts the markets all over the world. Something happens over in another country like China, it impacts what's happening over here. All of it is connected. And then when you get to the, the, the destruction here of Babylon, you realize that it's, it's gonna be this worldwide, um, complete destruction of, of the entire financial system. Now, there is one group in Revelation 18 that is rejoicing about this. In Revelation 18 and 20, we read, rejoice over her heaven and you saints, apostles, and prophets because God has executed your judgment on her. The believers are gonna rejoice over this. This was the system that wouldn't let them buy or sell without getting the mark of the beast. This was the system that caused the believers to be put to death because they wouldn't align themselves with this system. And so you find that there's a group out there that's looking at the destruction and they're rejoicing in it because it's the justice of God is finally being served against this kingdom. And I think, by the way, they're rejoicing over both the religious destruction and the economic destruction. Continuing in verse 21, we read, then a mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, in this way, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never be found again. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeteers will never be heard in you again. No craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. And the voice of the groom and the bride will never be heard in you again. All this will happen because your merchants were nobility of the earth, because all the nations of the earth were deceived by your sorcery and the blood of prophets and saints and of all those slaughtered in the earth was found in you." Now, verse 23 speaks about Babylon's sorcery that everyone bought into, and I agree what my Bible study notes have to say about this. Ancient sorcery or witchcraft often used spells and drugs. Here the term 
may be non-literal, that is, Babylon drugged the nations with her beauty and power. And again, I think this is exactly what's gonna happen with this worldwide kingdom. Everyone's gonna be intoxicated with her beauty and her power. They will join in a way that takes them away from the true and living God. Dr. Wolverd makes an interesting summary, therefore, related to this destruction of Babylon. He says, the destruction of the city of Babylon is the final blow to the times of the Gentiles, which begin when the Babylonian army attacked Jerusalem in 605 BC. This is what I referred to earlier, how the times of the Gentiles began when Israel became no more and were carted off in exile, and for the last 2,000 years plus, or about 2,000 years, I'm sorry, this has been the times of the Gentiles, but it's gonna end at this point. Once this is destroyed, it's gonna be once again this kingdom that Christ is gonna set up. It's gonna be the rebirth of the nation of Israel. It's what Paul talked about, how Israel is gonna be grafted back into the tree and begin to grow. And all the prophecies from the Old Testament that talk about how there's gonna be a kingdom and your borders are gonna extend to these places and it describes this new um, temple that's gonna be built and all these things have yet to be fulfilled and will be fulfilled after a lot of these things happen. Now the next time we meet, we're gonna do Revelation 19 and discover about this battle that's gonna take place with Jesus riding as a victor. I think it's a picture of the battle of Armageddon. Let's pray. Father, again, I'm just grateful that we don't have to suffer the fate of those that don't know you. Thank you again that you revealed in your word what's gonna happen so that as these things begin to unfold, uh, that we'll be ready for them. And again, we wanna live our lives in the truth of these realities uh, to realize it really does matter how we live. It, it does matter that people know you. Uh, it matters that we stay close to you and we're gonna need you more and more in the days ahead. We thank you again for your word. We pray in Jesus' name.